Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to FP Interviews. In-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. It is Footy Prime interview. Yeah, busy week this week. My word, so many podcasts, so many great stories. One in particular. I'm James Sharman. Craig Forrest joins me. And our guest today knows as much about Canadian soccer development than pretty much anyone, I think, in this country. Along with his brother Costa, they brought the Sigma Academy and Sigma FC to us. It's been a, a constant pipeline of talent to the pyramid. And now, suddenly, somehow, with the Forge, he's a two-time winning CPL head coach. Bobby Smyrniotis joins us. Bobby, welcome, mate. How you doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, listen, we'll, we'll get to that, that little game against Cruz Azul <laughs> shortly. All right. But before we get to that, um, Canada, USA, in Hamilton, on your home ground. Now, how did that feel, seeing that stadium come to life in red and smoke bombs and flares and seeing that performance and that, that result for our national team in a key World Cup qualifier at the home of the Forge. One word, brilliant. That's uh, the one way you just sum it up. Absolutely brilliant. You know, I was, I was here from uh, earlier on the day and uh, I can hear the fans and I can smell the smoke uh, from my office. Uh, you know, the one thing I think that's important that we understand that transcends on that day, and I take it from a little bit of a personal story, is I had my two young boys with me. And just seeing their energy, you know, it kind of reminded me of being that seven-year-old, uh, even though we didn't have a lot of coverage. But my first memories of Canada, Canada soccer, and the national team was 1986 and the World Cup. And, you know, and just looking at my boys and how excited they were pre-game, seeing what was going on outside, then you know you're energizing a nation. And I think that's... We got one step closer to getting to that full maximum capacity uh, this past weekend here in Hamilton. It was an amazing game, wasn't it? I mean, just the atmosphere, and you're right. I, I, I've never seen, Bobby, quite honestly, in all the years, I've never seen a pro-Canadian crowd quite like it. I, I wasn't in Edmonton, uh, so I could say that I think it certainly looks as though we're getting better and better and more support than than the last game. And it just gets more intriguing as we go along to see just where we can go with this, our sport in this country. Uh, I think it's, it's ready to explode. We just needed winners. We needed club level winners. We needed something tangible to support, you know, with the CPL and the national team and the players and the stories and it's proving that way because the interest is just exploding. Don't you think? Yeah, I think it's kind of a perfect storm of everything. And, uh, 
you know, and being honest, you know, winning is the cure for everything. Uh, but along with that, you have all these great storylines and you have not these emerging stars, because a lot of these guys are stars that maybe weren't well known to the public here. And, and Craig, you may know that too, having played so many years overseas and, and maybe being back in Canada and only really the soccer diehards knowing who everyone was. And we take Atiba Hutchinson as a, as a great example, who may be our greatest player to date. You know, Alphonse and a few guys are, are coming up. And uh, maybe aren't well known, and this is a great period uh, for him. And you know, all of that coming together, uh, the team winning, you know, that it increases the eyes on the game, and and, that, and that's what we need. What we need, we know, we have a massive passion for this sport in this country. Not only from whoever's involved in playing in the grassroots or, or people like me, but it's it's there. But everyone has always kind of followed their own heritage, background, and different things, and just waiting for Canada soccer to come together and explode. And here we are. You mentioned a good one with Atiba. Uh, Atiba, for my money, is our greatest of all time to this point. And it's fantastic to see him have this opportunity um, at such an age where people are just getting to know him. Um, uh, that's great for Canadians. It's great for Atiba. Uh, it's great for our association. Um, but you've been in development for so long in Canada, and you know a number of these boys. Uh, this is this is not new to you. And the stories around a lot of these uh, families of these players, uh, it, it is quite uh, quite remarkable. And uh, it's been something that has absolutely galvanized everybody. And uh, I think people should know these stories as well as the cultures around Canada that we have. Uh, I mean, you're one of the best, Bobby, and, 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 and we've got several. Uh, but they've never really been given the credit because we've, isn't and not their fault. Not it's just we just haven't got got to a winning step, and and now finally we're seeing that. And thank goodness because uh, the opportunity should be there for for guys like you and uh, and guys like everybody, pretty much in the national team who come from parents from somewhere else in the world, and and that itself is a story uh, of his own and the greatness of what Canada brings. And I don't know if you saw Milan Borian's uh, press interview after the game. Um, Brought tears to my eyes, like I, you know, what Canada means to him, his family, the schools, the opportunity, just being safe. Um, simple things that we take for granted. Um, it's great to see. Yeah, no, I thought that was excellent. And I did see uh, Milan's comments and I was uh, a little emotional, as uh, as you said, because, you know, we take a lot of pride in, in who we are. And sometimes we don't show it as Canadians. You know, I, I always say that, uh, you know, uh, being born and raised here, we're, we're very nice uh, all the time. And sometimes we don't show how much uh, we love this country and, and how special of a country it is. And, and that's the power of sport as well. Uh, we know it. the power of sport uh, brings that out. It unites. It brings everyone together in a time that I think it's important to bring people together. And hopefully, you know, this this national team, the same way all of us have grown up in this game of football, but we've also grown up in seeing, you know, the great stories in hockey because it doesn't matter, you know, how much you support this game that we love. Uh, we all grew up of those memories of, of hockey in 1987, Cops Coliseum, Mario Lemieux. We all know that. But what we need is these stories in our sport that we that we love and that creates that next generation going forward to unite us looking at this this team i mean the kids coming through uh, you know a lot of these players you've been involved in their development as well um i look at a guy like alistair johnston who's playing league one ontario you know not too long ago now he's playing you know obviously for the impact but he's playing for not only canada but being a key member like he's a guaranteed starter i think in, in that team going back you know in the last 
decade or so, you know, developing players in, in Ontario, in Canada. How surprised are you now to see where we're at as far as, you know, our plays in CONCACAF? Yeah, I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm not surprised uh, because, uh, you know, when I got started in development just over 15 years ago uh, and started working, and as the year started going on, you see how much talent we have in the country. The problem was always is what are we doing with these guys? Where is there to play? It's not easy for everyone uh, to pick up a suitcase, uh, go across the pond and find a way to to play a professional game. You know, there was no domestic league here, only a few pro teams um, in the country. So it was going to take time. But what you understood is throughout the country, especially for me here being in in uh, in the Toronto region or the greater Toronto region, southern Ontario, the amount of talent was absolutely exceptional. It just needed time to get to a place where now these guys are playing first team football. And that's what we have now. We have this great generation of players who are, you know, under 26 years old. You know, we think back to a guy like Kyle Lahren, who I know very well. And in the last the World Cup cycle, you know, he's the young guy on the team. You know, and now he's the experienced guy at 26, 27 years old with a great crop of players underneath him and a, and a few veterans. So I think this is a, you know, it's a perfect combination of what you need is a is a generation of players who are coming together. Um, you need the system to come together, and I think uh, the the national team with John Herdman has done that and pulled everyone together. And you need the right time within your region. I think this is the right time within Concacaf with the with the big heavyweights as Mexico and USA being there. Some other programs going through transition, which is no problem uh, for us. Um, but it's the perfect culmination, and deservedly we're sitting at the top of the standings. Would you call it? A golden generation right now, Bobby, or are you confident that there's another generation behind this, another generation behind that? I think we've got two uh, two cycles, you know that we that we have and uh, will be very good. I think the the key after that and is being very, uh, let's say, uh, focused on is making sure that those next generations that come in uh, come in with the same mindset. When we look at that team that stepped on the field. Uh, on uh, on Sunday uh, afternoon, look at their backgrounds. None of their development is linear. You know, these guys are, are humble players who have worked hard. Some of them have gone through League One Ontario's college soccer, MLS. Other ones have gone overseas. Uh, what tends to happen sometimes with success in a couple of cycles, uh, and I, I lived this uh, as I lived back in Greece in 2004 when they won the Euro, sometimes the players, the next generation, gets a lot of stuff very easy. So we got to be careful with that and make sure that that those guys also understand that, you know, what they need to represent. You need to go through some things to make sure we have that same mentality that the team has that was on Sunday, because uh, a lot of that success comes from their mentality. Bobby, what do you think about the barriers in Canada? And there still are barriers for, for, for youngsters uh, to get into sport in general. I think one in three families can't afford to do that. Soccer is becoming not hockey, but it's becoming more expensive as time goes on. And, and those barriers are going to be uh, higher and higher. I hope that's not the case. So how do we get the Alfonso Davies who in the future in Canada, who maybe have not have had the opportunity. I always say that Alfonso, I'm not sure is a soccer story. I think it's more of a Canadian community story of support for him uh, because they couldn't afford it either. So how do we do that in the future without missing those types of players in Canada? I think it's a it's a ripple effect. Going to the World Cup, I think, is, is a game changer because what we hopefully will have going forward is also uh, the communities, municipalities, the cities themselves, um, 
putting more funding into the sport and with different things. Because we know one of the biggest costs of, uh, of this game when we come down to the youth level are fields, are indoor fields, are different things like that, where we look in countries like Holland, uh, that I have a big background in going, and you go into every town, uh, and the city has a facility of mm-hmm. training pitches and everything that's needed for the club of the area. So now that cost doesn't get passed down um, to the player and different things. And I think, you know, with a lot of funding coming into the CSA, if that can trickle down in the right ways, you know, that starts helping those areas. Because the one thing I always had with with Sigma as well, and we were an academy and there's a lot of costs that go along with it, is uh, you don't leave a good player out. Um, but that's not easy to do across the board. So we need some of these uh, some some of these things to come to fruition in order to make sure we keep those barriers as low as possible. Because there's going to be a lot of kids kicking a ball in a park starting the summer. You make a really good point about pitches and, and living in Europe as long as I did. You know, you go around and you see these immaculate pitches all over the place with nets up. And, you know, it's it, it gives you that feel that you just want to get out there and play. And sometimes I see the pitches in Ontario and I'm driving around. I was like, oh, it would be the equivalent for ice hockey players to go on a rink with a foot of snow. And it's just <laughs> it takes the fun and you know out of it a little bit. And hopefully that will change. But you're right. Obviously, with our weather, too, in parts of Canada, where the indoor facilities are massively important to us. Do, do you think, Bobby, that, that we've hit the tipping point in this country or is that still to come with, with qualification for, for a World Cup? You talk about needing money and hopefully corporate Canada wakes up you know, with a qualification. But given what we've seen in this campaign and how it seems that mainstream Canada is beginning to wake up and take notice as well, have we hit the tipping point or is it still we're still kind of balancing there right now? Well, I don't know. I think we're getting there. And I think uh, if those people in corporate Canada aren't quick, they're going to be left out. Um, this is the world's game. You know, everyone's watching. Everyone around the world, uh, all the football contacts that I have in Europe and Asia, they're all messaging me on Sunday. Uh, you know, I'm not part of the team. Eh? Congratulations to Canada. Uh, they're the real deal. They're this and that. So right there, you know, the world's taking notice. Uh, when Alfonso Davies is playing in the Bundesliga, when Kyle Lahren is playing in Turkey, Jonathan David is in Lille, Tejan's now in Belgium, Richie Larios has made us. The players are scattered in the right places. And that visibility is there. And, and what I basically, you know, said on the, on the weekend is, uh, to a good few friends, is the market's open. You know, we played a U.S. team where you look at their market value, you look at the transfers of some of these players, and it's just astonishing. Uh, when you look at it on the, on the global scale. Mm-hmm. We're going to get close to that with this Canadian group and future players uh, coming forward because the game is open to the world. So we hope that the money and everyone who's going to be behind the game and the, and the association and the national team are ready to go. You know, you make a great point. Uh, this is the biggest show on earth. And people, and even within the Canadian Soccer Association, are going to get hit with a tsunami. A tsunami. It's going to be bigger than the NFL. It's going to Super Bowl. It is, is like a engulf all that and people in north america and canada it's just some of them understand it but most of them don't and in canada uh we got to be ready for it in all ways and i mean you're right from a coaching standpoint the media standpoint being able to handle all these different things is it's going to be a level that we have to take it to and john seems to have done that on the pitch and then everything else we hope will follow um and uh, it's got to go a long way. But as we shifted to talking about Forge uh, FC and uh, the second biggest story in soccer in Canada at this present moment, the biggest club story in soccer, uh, maybe 
well, I'm not going to say history, but certainly recent history, a league that's only three years old, uh, pandemic, uh, playing in the Island Games, uh, real challenges all around. You guys have done an amazing job throughout the league as well as you guys as a club. But to take it to the levels you have in such an early time, Bobby, making the final 16 in CONCACAF Champions League with Cruz Azul and the biggest names in football and CONCACAF. I don't know if people realize Cruz Azul is a powerhouse. And, and this Forge Cruz Azul match is literally a David Goliath situation. And it's absolutely magnificent that you've got a chance. The Forge from Hamilton to you know, be playing in this. It's just, it just gives me chills to think about it. Colorado are in it. Montreal are in it. You know, uh, who else we got in it? Uh, the, another MLS. There's a few MLS. Seattle Sounders. Sounders are in it. Yeah. So what an opportunity. And and also, I want to hear some of the stories as well after that about what you have to put up because, with, because at club level, I have to think it is a different level. As bad as it was for us. I think yeah, it, please do us a favor, Bobby. You know, we're so sick and tired of hearing Craig's stories about playing for yeah. Canada. And he's, how about club level? <laughs> yeah, I want to hear it. I want to hear all the garbage. <laughs> yeah, and, and being very honest, uh, for us here at Forge, I think it's our, it's our biggest achievement to date, and we've won a couple of championships. Uh, but to be honest, I'm not a very emotional guy on the sideline in different ways, but uh, that game we qualified by beating uh, Santos here uh, 3-0 in Tim Hortons Field was absolute delight um, because you knew you've taken uh, the club and in a, a small part of the league that's very new into into a new light, into a new area. And I think you always have to think big when you're when you're doing this stuff. And we're we're three years old, but why not Champions League? Why not Cruz Azul? Um, that's the only way you do it. And and the belief in the Canadian player and the belief, you know, in our small in our microcosm. You know, we're talking about the national team here, and there's a great generation of players. Um, but we look at our league. There's some fantastic Canadian players that are playing absolutely brilliant football. And I think that's what translates uh, for us. And, you know, to get into the Champions League, you have to qualify through CONCACAF League. And for us, that's been an uh, adventure over these last three years, playing some of the biggest teams in Central America, going uh, going in that it's not an easy place to play because that's what I grew up uh, hearing. That's what I grew up listening to. And, yeah, it's it's been were you, interesting. Were you disappointed? Oh, no, I, I've loved every moment of it. <laughs> I've loved every moment of it. I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. And... Yeah, and you just go into it with a smile because you don't know what's what's going to come up. Um, you know, from armed security guards uh, meeting you as you come out of the gate, uh, escorting you to the bus to possibly, you know, the bus driver taking the wrong trip to your training field and giving you a one-hour tour of San Salvador, uh, to dressing rooms full of water and uh, some uh, some big bugs. Maybe they look like cockroaches. I don't know. <laughs> um, to water buckets smelling like dead animals. Um, we've had it all. But you know what? It's the one thing I've said to our guys and, and to our staff. We go into every game with a smile. Enjoy it. You know, it's different. You know, this is this is the head games that they they want to play in and have to play to try and, to try and get to you. So just enjoy it. Because in the end of the day, it's 22 players on a pitch. Uh, we're playing on grass pitches there. We're playing on... Turf here, enjoy the fact you're playing on grass. Whether it's great or not, that's a different story, right? <laughs> but you, you just got to embrace the moment. You got to embrace what's different because you know what? There's nothing wrong with uh, with that whole component of the game. 
It's just how the game is played and how the thinking is in that part of the world. Uh, I'm sure if we go into uh, Holland or if you go to Greece, uh, the background of, uh, of my parents, there's also some interesting stories. So that's always been my thing about CONCACAF, and that's what I've enjoyed uh, mostly along with the tactics. Do you, do you players buy in though? I mean, I'm sure most of them do, but do you have any concerns that when they walk out into the, the Azteca, for example, you know, in a few weeks' time, um, they might they might wilt a little bit. I mean, it'd be understandable. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think Craig can maybe answer this a little bit uh, just with the uh, with the altitude. Maybe we wilt with uh, with the breathing component. But I think the most important thing is just have that moment that day before match day minus one in the stadium. Just put the guys at midfield, look around, and say, "Hey, look where we are." You know, you, we've all thought about this and. Uh, you know, would I have thought that uh, I'd be at the Azteca three years in? No, but here we are. We're in a cathedral of football. Enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. it. You don't know when it comes again. The same way when, you know, we've been we've been blessed and we've played in three finals. But in the first one, we said, enjoy it. Enjoy the week running up to it. You don't know as an athlete when you get to do it again. And I think that's what you have to do going into that situation. Well, that's another big thing, Bobby. You, you, you got these young players going, players playing for your team. They're going to go into the cathedral, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you can give it almost overawed about the situation, and you're like, oh, my God, Diego Madera, Madonna and Pele, and on and on it goes. You know, it's the game of the century, the, the goal of the century. You know, it's just an amazing, amazing place. Absolutely loved it myself. The out players didn't like it so much. Um, but if you can possess the ball, that's key. You know, obviously keeping the ball some possession and give yourself some breathing space. We found that really difficult, of course, against the, those Mexican sides at the time. But that is key. But uh, the, our Canadian team played brilliantly well down there and, and yeah. didn't seem to be affected at all. It was like, OK, what's going on here? Alfonso Davies isn't affected. He's making 80 yard runs in the ninth <laughs> minute. I was like, this guy's not human, but. It is is such a, an opportunity for you guys. I'm so proud of it. And uh, and first of all, you got a big game beforehand, and that's on the 16th of February, I believe. That's the home game. Then you play in Aztec on the 25th of February. Is that right? That's correct. So you'll have a two or three nil lead going in there to defend. Right? <laughs> correct. The same way the altitude's an issue there. A minus 20 on February uh, 16th here at Tim Hortons Field would be absolutely brilliant. Hey, hey Bobby, do, do you dressing room, Bobby? <laughs> Do you feel validated somewhat, Bobby? I mean, when you when you you had a great gig and still do, you know, with Sigma, obviously, um, you're very proud of what you and your brother have built there. But you took a gamble to a certain degree, joining a, a, a fledgling league um, that some people didn't think would make it through a first season. It has, and here you are now. Um, it's gathering steam. I, I think it's getting more and more respect, and you're traveling off to the Azteca on the 25th. I mean, as as a coach, from a personal standpoint. You must feel like, yeah, I made the right choice after all. Yeah, I think so. You know, when you go back and, uh, and you think about it, you know, you can, you can sit comfortably and keep on doing what you're doing and, and very happy uh, doing what I, was, uh, what I was doing. But you also look for different personal challenges. You also say to yourself, you know, we're doing this and producing players and these players are, you know, you're having to find a, a path for them. Now maybe there's a little bit more of a direct link in the, in the path in knowing that there's, uh, there's a professional lead. Um, for us here at Forge, uh, it's no secret that uh, many of the players that we've had a lot of success with, you know, were, were developed from young age at, at Sigma, at the, at the academy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not crazy that you can develop players through an academy, have them play in a first team and have success. 
You know, it's something I've uh, I believed in uh, early on, and then we want to continue that, not just with Sigma, but within uh, within the Hamilton uh, region as well. As we get going, the pandemic has slowed things down, and for me, it was it was all about that next challenge. You know, because I up until the date I took over Forge, I never coached the win. You know, there was no game that I went into and said, okay, I have to win this game. It was about what's going on with this player. How many players at the end of the year have moved on to whatever that next level was? Was it university soccer? Was it uh, uh, overseas? Was it MLS? That was our trophy. And that was the only thing I cared about at the end because the rest was just about ego. If you win, I say to the coaches in the academy, you know, put your ego aside because otherwise you'll always try and win games and it'll be the detriment. In the end, in youth football, you want to win. Uh, in the end of the day, you play the game to score goals, to put the ball in the net. It's about the process and it's about how you do it. Coming over to Forge, I said, okay, now I'm going to get tested to see, can I take this nice idea of football that I like in the football purest form and can it result, kind of come to a result under pressure? So far, it's been okay. That's really interesting. I never really thought about that, uh, Bobby. It, it is a completely different animal for you. Uh, winning is now all of a sudden everything uh, as opposed to development. And also, we, we talk a lot about the opportunities for players, but it's also given you an opportunity and Canadian coaches, other Canadian coaches, an opportunity that they deserve to take that chance, to take that opportunity, to get the chance to develop. And we've seen that right across Canada. So not only for the players, but the coaches and the referees and everybody uh, involved, it's just development in the best possible way. And it's going to give some second opportunities to some of our players that maybe have not got seen in the shop window before. And now they are. Yeah, what we, what we have is a total football industry. And, and that's the most important thing, you know, throughout, through all the levels of, uh, of what's needed in the backroom staff of a club and all of that. You know, that's all being born. You know, I talk with our, with our uh, strength and conditioning coach. He's a young guy, wasn't involved in soccer, but he's really involved in it and, and learning. You know, I'm trying to bring him along, but, you know, soccer is a very unique sport when it comes to the performance side. Uh, and how it's 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 handled, and with a person working in another sport where you work very general, here it's very specific. And you know, the one thing I've told them is, you know, if you're good at this, there's going to be a lot of opportunities because there's not many. It's it's new. You know, it's it's new from all from all aspects of the game. And I think that industry, along with what's going on with the national team and all of that, will keep on propelling this game forward. Uh, whether I'm here or somebody else is here, I think uh, you know the sky's the limit. I think, you know, seeing that that pathway, not just for players, but as you mentioned there, for your staff, uh, David Edgar being a prime example, a guy that played, you know, in, in the Premier League, had, had a really good career, uh, and now is cutting his coaching chops um, in the CPL. A Canadian guy getting the opportunity. If not for the CPL, you know, I'm not sure where his opportunity would come in this country. Yeah, and I think that's one of the most important things because what we've had is we've had uh, good players involved in the game, uh, and people around the game who really haven't been able to work in the game after. And and it's all aspects. You know, we look at the media side. So, you know, everything's involved in that football industry. And and by having this, now you have the David Edgars with the 40 caps for the national team and, and a guy who came and played in the CPL now involved in it because the CPL is only going to continue to grow. And by him learning on this side of the game, maybe tomorrow he's the next head coach. And I think that's very important because, you know, in the game, you need all different facets of it. Some people who are going to come, uh, like myself, who didn't play at the pro level, and you know, cut his way through in, in a different aspect. Uh, you're going to have the players with a former pro background. So we need all of all of us 
involved in the game to keep on growing it because everyone brings something special and something different and unique because there's not one way of doing this. That's the one thing I've learned over the years in all my travels to all the countries. Um, you know, there's there's a personal way of doing it when it comes to coaching and thinking about the game, but that's not necessarily the best or the right or there's no right or wrong. It's just the way you believe. And as a coach, I think that's the most important thing. If your players buy into it, then you're doing your job. Yeah, that's important. I think, too, you know, you talk about the advancement. So after their playing careers, where do they go? And I think that that's where it stalled for a lot of the former players. They'd like to have got involved in it. And they've looked at opportunities or lack of opportunities in Canada. And the brain drain has really gone south. So you got guys like Pat Onsad and Frank Gallup and Mark Watson, even going back further, Mike Sweeney in Ohio that have done incredible work for the United States uh, Soccer Association and, and the club soccer level. Um uh, and we haven't been able to u- utilize them enough in our country. And I think that we need to change that so we can keep some of these guys here. Um, and the CPL is going to be, I think, the answer. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's all of it. It's the CPL. We look at the, the presence of players coming from Canadian universities playing in the CPL. That also brings the emergence of youth sport programs and what goes along and, and, and maybe them becoming, I don't want to use it in a, in a bad term, but more professional with more staffing, more resources, uh, because now it's becoming more competitive at that range and players are wanting to move on to the next level. So I think, you know, everything trickles down and everything moves up in the same way. Well, Bobby, these are these are exciting times for Canadian soccer. You know, there's the obvious with, uh, you know, World Cup qualification just around the corner, it seems. You know, the CPL is growing in strength, of course. We're seeing more and more of our players making names in themselves o- overseas. Uh, it's all coming together. All that hard work's paid off. Uh, thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate this. Good luck, and I really mean that. Hey, on February the 16th. Bobby, you, we want, if everybody wants the same atmosphere as they just saw with the Canadian national team, February 16th, Tim Hortons Field, Cruz Azul, the superpower of the CONCACAF region up against Forge. David and Goliath, let's get there and support Forge and get them through this round. It'll be historic. Get down there. See a real football match. You know, it's going to be fantastic. You know, it's been a tough couple of years, but yeah, there'll be fans back at the stadium in some capacity. And uh, if you haven't seen the Forge yet, get out there. It's top top football. And uh, Bobby, we, we wish you luck. Wonga, yes, your, your finger's being raised. I, I wanted to ask Bobby, through this pandemic, uh, Danny Dicchio and I both did uh, Just for Men dyeing our hair and our beards we made a point of talking about it did you during the pandemic did you ever think of dying that thing because that no. is look man that is like an epic beard at this point i think it's got great lines it does it's it does. Lines. it's like if you did upside down head man you'd be like the bride of frankenstein the crazy <laughs> thing is i've been asked by more men than women if i dye it <laughs> uh, that, that's the beard craze right that's everyone's thinking about <laughs> you know it's it's all natural and it's magnificent <laughs> magnificent Bobby thanks so much mate good luck and uh, we hope to talk to you real soon thank you very much and I look forward to seeing you guys February 16th here at Tim Hortons Field absolutely absolutely that is Bobby Smirniotis head coach of Forge FC this has been for the Prime interview subscribe like and share we'll be back probably tomorrow it's a little game happening apparently that's wednesday canada el salvador we'll chat after that laters even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.